Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, December 2nd, 2019. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, BeantownUSA.com. On today's show, I will react to all of Week 13 in the NFL. I will give you my top five takeaways from Sunday which does include the Patriots' loss to the Houston Texans last night on Sunday Night Football in Houston. Also, I have some thoughts on Kyrie Irving and the Red Sox just made a trade. That's right, they made a trade. I will tell you what that trade is and react to it, all of it today. Presented by DraftKings, you can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C, that's promo code PICK, P. I see, and you can play for free this Sunday in the $1 million play action contest for week 14 in the NFL. $1 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. Sign up right now. Play for free in this contest. You can win $100,000 this Sunday by just playing for free when you sign up with promo code PICK, P-I-C. Promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings. Dot com. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I am on to Christmas. I think we're all on to Christmas now on this Cyber Monday. Though what is Cyber Monday when you get the same deals now on the internet on Black Friday? Remember Black Friday was just strictly like you got to go to the store. You got to go to the mall. Um, you got to physically bring yourself to that store to get the discount, to get the sale the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. Not anymore. You can get those deals online. And so at first, I think that's why we had Cyber Monday. It was all the deals that you get when you bring yourself into the store on Black Friday. You can now get those same deals the following Monday, Cyber Monday on the internet. You don't have to go to the store. Well, now we give those Cyber Monday deals on Black Friday, so what's the importance or the, like, what is Cyber Monday? Is it, we just do it to continue to do it. It doesn't really, it's not different than Black Friday. Uh, It can get confusing, I guess, but since it is Cyber Monday and since there are deals, I have to let you know that you can go to my merch store right now, get some merchandise to support the Danny Picard Show, and give some great gifts this holiday season. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E, public.com, tpublic.com, slash stores, slash Danny Picard. One more time, tpublic.com, slash stores, slash Danny Picard. T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, uh, stickers, pins, phone cases, iPhone cases. You getting somebody an iPhone for Christmas? Well, get them an iPhone case. On my merch store, tpublic.com slash store slash Danny Picard. Uh, we got a big sale on this Cyber Monday, and I think it lasts a couple days into the week. So um, that's what we got going on. I thought we were going to get some snow last night. We didn't. We only got rain. Proven my theory once again that the meteorologist, media, media can I say that again? Meteorologist? <laughs> meteorologist. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. The weathermen, they can't get it right ever, and it's all about accountability. They they never hold themselves accountable. It's always, well, the weather pattern changed. Something changed, you know, and we had a last-minute change. Got a little warmer, turned that snow into rain. 
Um, well, you know how it is on the coast. You know, it's always that fine line. It could be 10 inches of snow or it could be a lot of rain. It's not our fault. Our job's to predict it. We predict, but sometimes, you know, the things just change up in the sky. There's nothing we can do about it. It's not on us. <laughs> no accountability. They got it wrong. We were told that we were told all weekend. And even up through Thanksgiving, there's going to be a snowstorm this this weekend, Sunday into Monday into Tuesday. Now, maybe we get some tonight. I don't know. But as I sit here on this Monday morning, I can tell you that there's no snow on the ground outside of my studio. And I thought there would be. I was bracing for it. I was preparing for it. I thought I would have to shovel today before I came into the studio. I did not even have to look at any snow. It's all rain. And I'm, that's not a complaint, by the way. That's not a complaint. Um, but just another example that when you see all this hype about weather, what is it really about? It's about ratings. That's it. It's about ratings. They need the big storm to get you to want to watch the weather later tonight, to get you to want to tune into the weather today. They need the ratings. But anyways, uh, it's all rain, no snow for now, at least. And we are on to Christmas. Uh, we are not on to week 14 in the NFL just yet. Week 13 will end tonight on Monday Night Football as Seattle, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, hosts Minnesota on Monday night. It's a huge game for both teams. Huge game for both teams. Uh, if Seattle wins this game, they will jump up to the number two seed, and San Francisco will jump down to the number five seed. Right now, going into this game, San Francisco's the one seed at 10-2. and two. Seattle's 9-2, and two, so if Seattle wins this game, they'll have the same record as San Fran, but Seattle will hold that head-to-head tiebreaker over San Francisco because Seattle beat San Francisco earlier in the year. And in their first matchup, they'll play again in Week 17. But Seattle holding that tiebreaker, if they win tonight on Monday Night Football and they beat Minnesota... Seattle will knock San Fran out of the first round by, out of the division lead, and San Fran will go down to a wild card team. The reason Seattle won't be placed in the one seed where San Francisco currently is heading into this Monday night game is because then you have a battle between New Orleans and Seattle, and the head-to-head tiebreaker there is owned by New Orleans because the Saints beat the Seahawks in Seattle earlier in the year. Remember that? Teddy Bridgewater goes into Seattle and wins that game. I, I only remember it because I picked Seattle with my picks. And uh, I, I did not win that game. New Orleans did. And so New Orleans, right now the two seed, will bump up to the one seed in Seattle. But it's still a big game for Seattle because they'll take over that division, the NFC West, and they'll jump up to the two seed with San Francisco being bounced down to the five seed. But that's what we got on Monday Night Football. That is how week 13 will end. I'm not going to spend too much time on the Seattle-Minnesota game because by the time you listen to this, that game might be over. So let's look back at what we had on Thanksgiving and on Sunday. Three games on Thanksgiving and then uh, obviously the games on Sunday. But my picks were only Sunday's games. Picks, picks every Thursday. Five games against the spread. I went two and three, which is another bad week. And on the season, my record on the season now, 28 and 37 against the spread. 28 wins, 37 losses against the spread. Having an awful year. Uh, My wins was San Francisco plus six over Baltimore. I told you, maybe San Fran doesn't win the game, but I think they'll keep it close and they'll cover. Well, they didn't win the game. 
they did keep it close, and they did cover the six points. So they lose by three to Baltimore, but they cover the six-point spread as a six-point dog. Uh, so I got that right, San Fran plus six. Then my lock of the week was right, Green Bay minus six and a half over the Giants. I told you Green Bay would go in to MetLife, and they would beat the Giants pretty good, and they did. So Green Bay wins, and it covers. They had some snow during that game. Uh, so Green Bay covers a minus six and a half. Those are my wins, San Fran and Green Bay. My losses, Philadelphia minus nine and a half over the Dolphins in Miami. I mean, I thought the only question would be, not does Philly win this game, but do they cover the high spread? Well, they didn't even win the game. They lost to the Miami Dolphins. Are you kidding me? So I lose that one. Then I had Oakland plus nine and a half over Kansas City. I told you, I didn't even think Oakland would win this game. I just thought they would keep it close and cover the spread. And this one was over in the first quarter. Man, the Raiders are really dropping the ball because they looked somewhat exciting not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, right? Then you lose, they lost to the Jets. Um, I'm not surprised they lost to Kansas City, but I am surprised they got whooped the way they did. They got absolutely whooped by the Chiefs, so I lose that. And then my third loss was I had the Patriots minus three and a half over Houston. As we know, the Patriots lose that game to the Texans on Sunday Night Football. And so they obviously don't cover as a three and a half point favorite. And the Patriots now 10 and two, their second loss of the year. I go to ESPN.com this morning, as I do every day. I know a lot of times I knock ESPN, right? But let's be honest. They are the worldwide leader in sports coverage, right? That's what they are. ESPN. I go to ESPN.com. It's like the first thing I do every day. The top story on ESPN.com this morning was a picture of Brady. I think he was sitting on the ground. But the headline read... And this is from Bill Bonwell, who I guess is, I don't, I, I recognize the name. I, I can't put a face with the name, but I know he always writes for ESPN.com. It says, Bonwell, this Patriots loss feels different. Time to worry about Tom Brady? That, that's the headline. Top of ESPN.com. Bonwell, this Patriots loss feels different. Time to worry about Tom Brady? Again, that's the headline. Directly underneath that, it's a picture of Rex Ryan, a split screen, Tom Brady's face and Rex Ryan's face. And it's a video with the headline under the video that reads, Ryan, as in Rex Ryan, Ryan, this is the worst Patriots team I have ever seen. So, you know where they're going with this. And... You knew, you knew we would. I knew they would. Yeah, the Patriots are 10-2. But the reaction to a loss like that against the Texans in Houston, where they also fall out of the one seed and Baltimore jumps up to the one seed in the AFC, you're going to get the overreactions because these guys are giddy. They are giddy. Right? They are giddy. They can't wait for somebody to knock off the Patriots. They can't wait. And so when the Patriots get knocked out of the one seed and fall down to the two seed, the reaction you're hearing now is not necessarily realistic reaction to the things that that are going wrong with the Patriots right now. It's, 
maybe some realistic reaction combined with overreaction because these guys are so excited and happy to see the Patriots losing, to see the Patriots get knocked out of the one seed. They want to see this happen. I've already gone on these rants a million times, and you don't need me to do it again because you know. I mean, if you follow football, if you follow the NFL, you understand the absolute ridiculousness that comes with a Patriots loss. Regardless of when that loss is, regardless of how the loss goes down, regardless of who that loss is to, there's ridiculousness. The top, the top two stories on ESPN. If you just woke up today, went to ESPN.com, and you were like, man, I was, I was living under a rock for the first 13 weeks of the NFL season. Let me see what's going on 13 weeks in. And you read the top two headlines. And it was a, the first one was a column by Bill Bonwell in which the headline read, this Patriots loss feels different. Time to worry about Tom Brady. And then directly underneath that, it said Rex Ryan believes this is the worst Patriots team he has ever seen. If you didn't know what was going on, you'd be like, wow, Patriots, it's it. That's it, right? They're not going to make the playoffs. They must be out of the playoff picture. It's that bad, huh? The worst Patriots team he's ever seen? <laughs> um, I, it's, it's not unbelievable. It's believable. You knew this was going to happen. But the reality of it is the Patriots are 10-2. and two. If the playoffs began today, they still get a first-round bye. And at the same time, you got some issues. Like, I'm not trying to run from the issues that this team has, which mostly are offensive issues. I'm not trying to hide from those. I think we all, I think we all get it. I think you, you, know, you, you, you can't sit here. The one thing you cannot do today is, is look at this Patriots team and go, well, everything's fine. Everything's not fine. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it is fine. Everything is fine. It's not. Last night, you lose to Houston, 28-22, but it wasn't even that close. I hate, I don't even like looking at the score of this game. Patriots had two late touchdowns, and they almost got the onside kick, by the way. Is it Brandon Bolden? He wasn't even trying to catch it. He was just trying to knock it down. Maybe he was just trying to catch it. Because who knows? Patriots might have won that game. But they didn't deserve to win this game. They had no business winning this game. It was a six-point game on the scoreboard and in the final box score, but if you watched it, it was not that close. All right? The Patriots were never winning this game. Houston led 28-9 to after the first three quarters, and you just knew, like, that's it. Patriots are not going to win this game. And when it comes to defending Deshaun Watson, right, when it comes to playing defense against the way Deshaun Watson was throwing the football I did think that this was as bad a performance by the pass defense for the Patriots that we've seen all season. You could, I know you could go back to the Baltimore loss and say, hey, Baltimore scored 37 points on you in that game back in Week 9. But I thought mostly that was... I thought the run defense was bad. You know, Lamar Jackson didn't have a great day passing in, in that one. Um... I thought this was a game in which this was the worst I've seen the Patriots pass defense all year. To the point where you just kind of expected Deshaun Watson to make the big play in the big spot. And I mean, you can look at that touchdown. Who was it? Was it Kenny Stills? The the deep pass to the the back left side of the end zone with the first one. 
got called back because they said he didn't get possession, he didn't control it, and they reviewed it, and it was rude, no, no catch. And then Houston said, you know what? We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. You're not going to give any help over the top from the safety. We're going to do it again. We're going to go deep to him again. Same exact play. They did it. This time he caught it. Gets two feet in. It's a touchdown. It was that type of night. Not just for Deshaun Watson, but also for the Patriots' pass defense. This was as bad as I've seen the Patriots' pass defense. Now, I'm not going to sit here and use the excuse that they were sick and that they were dealing with an illness, and the Patriots aren't going to do that either. But I guess if you did want to be somewhat realistic about the reaction and the coverage and the analysis of this game from a Patriots' defensive perspective... It did feel a little different watching them. And also, we have to acknowledge that they did take two separate planes to Houston, which everybody's saying going into the game was unheard of. We've never seen this before. Well, if you've never seen that before, it's unheard of. They take two separate planes. That kind of tells you that it was... It's nothing to roll your eyes at when you do bring up the illness that was running through this team and the flu-like symptoms that were running through the team. If they're doing something unprecedented to kind of battle against this illness, then this is not really such a small illness, is it? I, I think it's worth acknowledging. I'm not Again, I'm not saying that this is the main reason they lost this game, but certainly we break down all the factors. You can't sit here on, on Sunday morning yesterday, talk about how it's unprecedented. They're taking two planes, wow, to battle the illness. One plane has this players who are sick the other plane has the players who aren't sick they're really separating these guys it's we've never seen this happen before you can't say all that and then when it doesn't look all that good on the field go eh the illness had nothing to do with it they were fine well if they were fine they would have all been on the same plane okay and and so I just want to acknowledge it I think it 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 deserves a mention it does is it the ultimate excuse no no, it's not. You know, you, you still had, you still, from an offensive perspective, yet you still had opportunities that you just could not, you know, to keep this game closer than it was through three quarters. Because again, it didn't get close until late in the fourth where you score those two late touchdowns. And even at that point, you're like, well, you're still going to get the onside kick, which they didn't get. It, it, it's just, this game was nowhere close to what the score shows. And the score shows 28-22. I said the worst I've seen the Patriots' pass defense look. But also, what's the real issue, right, when you break it down? The real issue is the offense. The real issue is the Patriots' offense. The real issue is, is, and I don't want to say it's Tom Brady because, I mean, you're going to get that. Again, this is, you talk about the things that uh, uh, are believable and not surprising today. Like, they're going to crush Tom Brady. All the shows, you know who they're going to be. You know who's going to say it. Tom Brady's not the same guy. I saw it last night, right after the game. I went to ESPN. Ryan Clark, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers, former player. He's saying, you know what? In the past, Tom Brady has been able to turn pedestrian talent into winning pieces. But Tom Brady's not that guy anymore. So the Patriots need to bring in some better talent at the wide receiver position. And, you know, I disagree with that. No, no, I disagree with the first part. The second part, that I need to bring better talent in for that wide receiver position? Well, um, you know, when you lose Gronk, and, yeah, I, I mean, y- y- you would have 
you would have, everybody would like to see Tom Brady paired up with a superstar receiver. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, no, I would hate to see that, right? Um, but I don't think the Patriots offense, the issues that they have, I'm not sitting there looking at it going, Tom Brady, he's done. It's over. He can't do it anymore. He can't take pedestrian talent or, or young, inexperienced talent and turn them into game-changing receivers. He can't do that anymore. He doesn't have the ability to do that anymore. I'm not saying that. But you do have some people who will. You know, the thing that jumped off the screen to me with Tom Brady last night was that he kept throwing the ball to spots in which there, were, there was nobody. Like, he would just throw the ball to a place and nobody was even there. Is that Tom Brady's fault? Or is that Dorsett, Nikhil Harry, uh, even at times Mohamed Sanu's fault? Is that their fault? That's the receiver's fault. I think Tom Brady has earned, at least in my opinion, Tom Brady has earned (laughs) the respect here where if Brady's throwing it deep down the left sideline and nobody's in the area of that football and Brady's upset, I'm going to... I'm going to put my money in the fact that Tom Brady's probably the one that did not make the mistake in that spot. It, who was it? Was that Nikhil Harry? Was that, was that Dorsett? I think it was Dorsett, that one play down the left sideline. And Dorsett comes back, and Brady wanted him to, I don't know, make a move and then go deep. And he put the ball in a place he thought Dorsett was going to be, and that's the miscommunication. You know, we've seen... Brady and and the way he trusts receivers or sometimes loses trust in his young receivers. Brady was furious last night, and he's been upset recently because there are things going on with the offense that he, I think, feels like he can't control, right? And and at the end of the day, if a receiver's not going to run the right route, is that on Tom Brady? No, it's not. It's on the receiver. So they got to fix that. They have an issue offensively. They got an issue. You know, it's time for someone like Mohamed Sanu to step up. I mean, he had that pass that probably should have been called for pass interference. He gets bumped over the middle and then drops it. But even after the pass interference, he should have still caught the football. It was right in his hands. So he's got to step up and make some plays. No excuses for Mohamed Sanu. I know he might be dealing with some type of injury right now. But, I mean, he's a veteran. He, You know, it's time for him to step up. It's they went out and traded for him. He needs to step up. And if Sanu can step up and make some plays, that is going to open some things up for some other players. Uh, and and the one thing that I want to see more of, and I want to see more of early on from the Patriots, is their no-huddle offense, right? Their quick little dink and dunks, no-huddle you know, early, I want to see that early on. We see that late in these games. I want to see it right away. First drive. We're not seeing that. What we saw last night was the Patriots, first and second down, they're going to run the football, and then they're going to throw it on third down. It's awfully tough to get in that no-huddle rhythm if when that's how you're controlling it. Um, now, I don't know if that, that, that might speak to the, the confidence that they have in the receivers, but... I just thought that the game plan offensively in this one was also flawed. You know, we all understand how much the no-huddle offense works when Tom Brady runs it. But you also need to run a certain style offense to make sure that no-huddle is working. You need to have completed passes uh, early and often. 
You know, first down, second down, let's throw the football early. You know, they started doing it in the second half, throwing the ball on first and second down. But in the first half, I thought they were just, it was almost, you know, they they weren't changing anything. It was, they're going to run it on first down. They're going to run it on second down. They're going to play action on third and throw. And, you know, it was just, it was predictable. You know, you, you, Houston knew what was coming. And when you're doing that, you're not running the no huddle. And the Patriots offense is at its best. Whenever they do the no huddle, what are we saying? We're always going, the, the Patriots no huddle is just, it's, it's dominant, right? It's dominant. Nobody can stop it. So why do you not go to it right away? You know you have some issues offensively. And, and maybe they're going to do it against Kansas City on Sunday at 425 in week 14. We, we, we could see that. But if there's anything I think I would like to see the Patriots do more of, it's how about, you know, giving us some, some first and second down passing plays and doing it with the thought that, hey, we're going to run the no huddle offense to start the game. Our first possession, we're running the no huddle. Let's go. Especially next week against Kansas City's defense, a defense that has shown this season that you can put up points on them. You can score on them. You can pass on them. Um, you know, I'd like to see the no huddle. It's going to be at Gillette. I don't know what the weather's going to be, but who cares? Sunday, week 14, 425. Right now, the Patriots open as a three-point favorite at home against the Chiefs. And um, I just, I wish they would, I do, I wish they would throw it more on first and second down early in the game and get that no huddle, that no huddle offense. That, that up-tempo offense going and I think that can change some things and and it can change some things early on in the game which then could change some things for you late in the game so uh look I Brady found himself throwing to nobody in this game far too often and I don't think that's on Brady I'm gonna give Brady the benefit of the doubt here when he's throwing balls into empty spots and they're just you know nobody's there that's on the receivers so the question now is, can it improve? Well, of course it can. Of course it can improve. Will it? That's that's going to be up to the young receivers like Philip Dorsett, Nikhil Harry, but also on a veteran receiver like Muhammad Sanu. Let's go. Step up. You know? Um, and at the end of the day, the Patriots are 10-2. and two. They need offensive help. They still have Tom Brady, though. Some people want him to go bring Antonio Brown back. Here's the problem with Antonio Brown. He cannot stay off social media. I will tell you this. The Patriots' offensive issues are so concerning right now that if Antonio Brown, when he got released by the Patriots, if he just stayed off of social media for the last month, month and a half, if he just stayed off social media, I can promise you that a return for Antonio Brown to the Patriots right now would be realistic. It would. Instead, here is a <laughs> here's a post that he shared today on Instagram. Like he shared someone else's post on his Instagram. And the post is coming from Gillette Nation. Though I don't... I can't tell if Antonio Brown posted this or if somebody posted it and he just shared it. I think he's just sharing a post from an Instagram account called Gillette Nation. 
Anyways, the post says, quote, I'm starting to question if Robert Kraft wants to win. This is a business. You have rumors of your Hall of Fame QB wanting to leave, as well as already losing your all-pro tight end. I would assume that you would want to improve your offensive threats, which are obviously lacking. Tom and Josh have nothing to work with. Swallow your pride, Robert Kraft. A report came out that you had fingers up your ass during the spa. Just let us sign AB and you can win another Super Bowl. If not, I'm not sure this is a Super Bowl winning roster. And Antonio Brown is tagged in this. So Antonio Brown takes this post shared by Gillette Nation and Antonio Brown shares it himself. Like, how dumb do you have to be? Clearly, Antonio Brown wants back. Not just in the league, but he wants back with the Patriots. You saw what he was posting last night. He was posting videos of him catching a pass from Tom Brady uh, with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas in the background. And, like, if that was the only post he had made in the last two months, I'd be like, maybe the Patriots would consider it. But for him to share a post that calls out Robert Kraft for having, and I quote, fingers up your ass during the spa. (laughs) Like, how stupid do you have to be to, to put that out? How stupid do you have to be? I'm going to, I'm going to text Jane right now with people that are like, well, you still should bring him back. (laughs) Why? Why should they bring him back? He's a moron. If you're the owner of a team, you know, you get caught doing something and, and, and you got a player who's, who doesn't play for you and he, he keeps calling you out on social media. You're not going to bring him back. Like, you're just not. You're just not. And if you lose what you got, you lose what you got. I mean... It's just Antonio Brown is such a moron that he probably would have a realistic shot of coming back if he wasn't such a moron. But that's the ultimate problem with Antonio Brown. He's dumb. He is not a smart dude. That's why he doesn't play for anybody right now. Okay? He's just not a very bright person. He is dumb. He's a moron. That's why he continues to post about Robert Kraft's spa session. Like, he goes on these rants on social media. Well, one minute he's, he's like, Patriots, take me back, please. You know, I loved playing for the Patriots. I love, you know, I want to help the Patriots win. All I want for Christmas is to play for the Patriots. And then he gets upset that he's not, that he reacts to his own post by saying, oh, you know, Robert Kraft got some, got, you know, his fingers up his ass in the spa. It's like, dude, what are you doing? He's a psychopath. He's a moron. That's why he doesn't play for a team right now. That's why he doesn't play for anybody. Like, think about that. He'd be, I mean, he'd be with, he'd probably be with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Or the Oakland Raiders. Either Pittsburgh or Oakland. He, if he wasn't a moron or a psychopath, he'd be with one of those two teams. And we wouldn't even be talking about him right now. The only reason we're talking about him is because he continues to be a moron. Which is the ultimate reason why he doesn't play for anybody. He's not coming back to the Patriots. 
If he didn't tweet over the last two months or he didn't tweet or use Instagram or do anything on social media at all after he got released, I would be sitting there telling you there's a realistic possibility they bring him back. In fact, they might have already brought him back. In fact, another team might have signed him before it would be even possible. But but that's not happening because he's a moron. I mean, he's tough talking about him. All right. And stupid people do stupid things. And that's why I always look at all the things and the accusations about him. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's not a smart dude. So could I see him doing the things he's being accused of? Yeah, I could. <laughs> like, uh, how, how do you post this? If you honestly want back with the Patriots, how do you put this? I know you didn't post it yourself and you're just sharing somebody else's post. But how do you post that on your social media if you want the Patriots to bring you back? I'll tell you how. You do it if you're an idiot. And Antonio Brown is an idiot. And so, like, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't even want to root for him. I'm going to, I want to root for Nikhil Harry, Philip Dorsett. And I know, I know it's not ideal. And I know, you know, Mohamed Sanu, like, is a little banged up. Edelman's banged up. I know they don't have Gronk. They're trying to get their offensive line figured out. They lost their center last night in this game. They're back, they lost their backup center. Now they're with their third center of the season. And, uh, you know, there are issues. But at the same time, you tend to, I think it can still be Kansas City because Kansas City's defense, it's at Gillette. Kansas City's defense is no good. And then you got Cincinnati, Buffalo, Miami. I mean, there's a good chance you still win out and finish 14-2. and two. At the very least, you finish 13-3. and three. And... And you're still, and you're still going to get a first round buy. All right. So, um, really, it's all about getting that AFC championship game at home. But, I mean, I'll be honest with you, even if the Patriots get the two seed, look, if the, if the playoffs began today, if the playoffs began today in the AFC, Baltimore would be the one seed at 10 and 2. The Patriots would be the two seed at 10 and 2. Um, the wild card round would be the three seed Houston Texans hosting the six seed Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh would be going to Houston. You'd also get the five seed Bills going to the four seed Chiefs. So Kansas City, the four seed, would be hosting Buffalo. Kansas City hosting Buffalo, Houston hosting, hosting Pittsburgh. Who would you take to win those games? You'd take Houston and Kansas City, right? Houston and Kansas City. And if it played out like that, Kansas City would be going to Baltimore. And Houston would be coming to Gillette. Can the Patriots beat Houston at Gillette? Yeah, they can. Could Kansas City go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens? Like, yeah, I could see that happening too. I really could. I really could. So, it's still, anything's possible. If people are just, what we do is we overreact. And, and, and I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses for the Patriots. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that everything looks great and everything's going to be great. But what I am going to tell you is that, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's as bad as everybody's going to make it out to be considering the fact that you're still 10 and two. It's not like you're seven and five, the six seed, the six seed in the AFC. And, and you might not even make the playoffs. You're going to get a first round buy. And is your first game going to be tough? Yeah. But let's see how the next four weeks play out. You know? 
Maybe the, Brady starts to click with Mohamed Sanu. Maybe Philip Dorsett, who I have wanted to be in a major role. You talk about Jacoby Myers, maybe in a spot. Well, he's made some mistakes as well. But if they can fix some of those mistakes, suddenly things might look different if you add that second or third threat to this offense. And you saw late in this game, you know, James White. Um, if, if that, you know, and there are obviously other teams are putting cornerbacks on James White to cover him out of the backfield for those little dump-offs. But, I mean, if you can find ways to get him the football still. Look, the, the Patriots right now, it's not ideal what's going on. It's not ideal at all. I, I just, I'm sitting here trying to battle against the ridiculousness of the overreactions that this is, the according to Rex Ryan, the worst team the Patriots have ever had. Or according to Bill Bonwell of ESPN.com, this loss feels a little different. Is it time to worry about Tom Brady? Like, one, I'll tell you, no, it's not time to worry about Brady. And two, this is not the worst team the Patriots have had. Because we have, and the reason I say that is we have seen these reactions many times before. These reactions are nothing new to a Patriots loss. And I know we like to live in the moment. We like to react in the moment. We forget about so many teams that had so many issues. And, you know, we say, well, this is bad. Like, this is bad. They're never going to fix this. I've heard that so many times that I almost know that they're going to fix it because that's just what they do. And really, we're just going to have to see. But Antonio Brown, he is not coming back. So you can rule that out. Um, It's up to the guys that they have right now to figure this thing out. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. We're going to have to see. They got four regular season games left. And then they're going to get a first round by. And then they're going to pr- play a pretty good team in the in the divisional round. The good thing is it's going to be at home. You know, can can Baltimore, can the Patriots win out? The question now, if you forget about the playoffs, can the Patriots win their next four and have the Ravens lose one of their next four? That's possible. And that brings me to my top takeaways from week 13. I give you five, my top five takeaways each week. And number one is Baltimore takes over the number one seed in the AFC with their win over San Francisco and the Patriots lost to Houston. Baltimore owns a tiebreaker over the Patriots. So that's why Baltimore's there because Baltimore beat the Patriots and the head-to-head tiebreaker is the top tiebreaker. So Baltimore, my number one takeaway, my top takeaway from week 13, Baltimore the number one seed now in the AFC. And in Vegas, because this has happened, in Las Vegas... Baltimore is now the favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 275. The Patriots with the second best odds, plus 400, the Patriots are. But Baltimore is now the favorite to win the Super Bowl. You go to that Baltimore-San Francisco game. It was a three-point game. You had Justin Tucker kicks the game winner late. Uh, It wasn't an easy field goal, but he hit it. You had some tough weather conditions in Baltimore in this game, Sunday at 1 o'clock. And San Fran made it a game. But they made an awful decision late in this one. The 49ers went for it on fourth down on the Baltimore 35. What was it, like six, seven minutes left in the game? It was a tie game at 17. 
The 49ers go for it on fourth down on the Baltimore 35-yard line. It was fourth and one. Now, if you you could have convinced me even, you could have convinced me to maybe punt it, to be honest with you. Like, I, this was the type of game this was in some tough weather conditions. Yeah, you could say, well, it's at the 35. It's, what, a 52-yard field goal. But with the conditions, maybe that's a little too long. So you just go for it. Like, nah, you could have convinced me. Put it this way. I thought going for it on fourth down was a bad decision. And that's not hindsight. I was saying it at the time. I was watching this game. I just thought, man, win that battle of field position. You know, win that battle. You've stopped Lamar Jackson a couple times in this game. You can do it again. Have some confidence in your defense. Uh, you got some tough weather conditions. It's a tie game. You know, if you can pin Baltimore down inside the 15, 10-yard line, then you could stop them, and then you get some field position back with a chance to be the, the final team to have the football at the end of the game. Like, I, you got to think of it that way, and San Fran wasn't. They were a little too aggressive, and they didn't get the fourth and one. And by the way, if you are going to go for a fourth and one, if you're San Francisco, why are you lining up Garoppolo in shotgun? Like, this is a QB sneak situation. This is a... Put you know, pound it, put the fullback in, pound it up the middle. Like, I don't, 49ers, they had Garoppolo and shotgun on fourth and one. I didn't like the decision to go for it. And then when you go for it, I didn't like the play call. I didn't like the formation. I didn't like the mindset of the play call. I didn't like anything about it. If you San Fran, they don't get it. Baltimore gets the ball um, with much better field position than maybe they should have had. And then they drive down, they get the field goal, they win the game. And now Baltimore takes over to one seed in the AFC and you got to look at the Ravens' schedule, like I mentioned, because the question now is, when it comes to the one seed in the AFC, can the Patriots win? If you're a Patriots fan, which I am, I'm looking at it this way. Can the Patriots win out? Can they beat Kansas City, Cincy, Buffalo, and Miami? Yeah, they can. The toughest game, obviously, is the game against Kansas City. You know, the game against Buffalo. Hey, Buffalo's 9-3. and three. And so I guess credit where credit's due for a nine and three team, but they got to be the worst nine and three nine and three team I've seen. I think. Now they did go into Dallas on Thanksgiving and win that game, but Buffalo at nine and three. I mean, are they better than Houston at eight and four? Are they better than Kansas City at eight and four? Like, no, they're not. They're not. Are they better than the Patriots? No. So it's a winnable game still, and it's actually So the Patriots could win their last four. They very well could. If they can do that. They're going to need Baltimore to lose a game. Baltimore's schedule. Here it is. At Buffalo. At home against the Jets. At Cleveland. Against the Browns team they've already lost to. And then at home against Pittsburgh. You know, those last two, I think you can look at it and go, hey, Pittsburgh's battling for a playoff spot. These are divisional games in the AFC North. Those are, those have been proven to be not easy. Those are not easy games. As good as Baltimore is, those are not easy. Easy games. They already lost to Cleveland once this year. Think about how good Baltimore has been. How much we've praised them. They're they're currently now the Super Bowl favorite, yet they've already lost to Cleveland. So don't tell me that those are going to be easy games in their division against Cleveland and Pittsburgh to close out the season. And then next weekend in Buffalo. Who knows? Maybe you get some snow. Like, what I'm telling you is, it is still possible for the Patriots to get the one seed. They need to win out and have things go their way, but it's still possible. Both of those things, they could still win out. That's possible. Things could go their way. That's possible too. 
Um, but as it stands right now, my top takeaway has to be that Baltimore takes over the one seed and the Patriots gets bounced back and bumped down to the two seed in the AFC. And then over in the NFC, my number two takeaway from week 13 in the NFC, New Orleans is the first team in the NFL to clinch. They clinched their division, the NFC South, with a win over Atlanta on Thanksgiving night. Uh, and now the Saints are currently the two seed at 10-2 and two in the NFC. And they're the two seed before this Monday night game. Because if Seattle beats Minnesota in Seattle on Monday night football, San Fran, the one seed, bumps down to the five seed. Seattle bumps up to the two seed. And New Orleans bumps up to the one seed. But the Saints are my number two takeaway because they're the first team to clinch something, right? I mean, you got to acknowledge that they clinched their division. And the Saints will actually play San Francisco this coming Sunday in New Orleans. So that's a huge game for both of those teams. Huge game for both of those teams. Uh, New Orleans at 10-2. and And you look back at it when they had Teddy Bridgewater and they went, they were winning games at Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I know Teddy Bridgewater is not going to get any MVP votes. But if you look at what the Saints were able to do with the Drew Brees injury, it's pretty incredible. If the Saints end up going on to get the one seed and using home field advantage to get them to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, man, when we look back on this season, Teddy Bridgewater better be remembered for being a major, major player on that team that, you know, like I said, <laughs> like, Probably deserves a couple MVP votes, to be honest, because of that. Um, but you know, you know, the MVP, a play like that doesn't get MVP votes, right? A player that just does enough to make sure his team doesn't lose doesn't get MVP votes. But you get what I'm saying with the Teddy Bridgewater stuff, because that obviously kept New Orleans alive uh, while Drew Brees was injured. But that's number two. New Orleans clinches their division. They are the first team to clinch anything in the NFL. Number three, my number three takeaway for Week 13. Nobody wants to win the NFC East. Nobody. The Cowboys currently lead the division at 6-6. They're the fourth seed in the NFC. If the playoffs began today, the Dallas Cowboys, the fourth seed, would actually have a home game in the wildcard round, and they'd be playing the Seahawks, who are 9-2. The Seahawks. Seahawks would be going to Dallas. But that's the benefit of winning your division. But nobody wants to win the NFC East. Dallas lost on Thanksgiving at home to Buffalo. But then it's, all right, it's the Eagles' turn. Eagles have to see that. The Eagles have a game in Miami against the Dolphins. They go into that game, they're 5-6. and six. They see the Dallas loses on Thanksgiving. This is a huge opportunity for an Eagles team that's under 500 to say, hey, let's get back to 500. You know, let's get back in this divisional race. And what do they do? They lose to the Dolphins. Like, you got to be kidding me. So Philadelphia does not deserve a playoff spot at all. And it's not like they're going to get a wild card spot because right now the sixth seed is 8-3 and three in Minnesota. Again, going into this Monday night game. Um, and then you got the Rams on the outside looking in at 7-5. and five, Chicago on the outside looking in at 6-6. Six and six, And then Philly's down there at 5-7. and seven. Like... For the Eagles, it's win the division or don't get to the playoffs at all. And Dallas is giving you a golden opportunity to take the division. They're like, we don't want it. You have it. 
And the Eagles are like, eh, we don't want it either. We're going to lose to Miami. And you see that touchdown Miami scored? Like, not only did Miami win that game, they just bitch-slapped the Eagles. They had the same formation there that the Colts tried to use on the Patriots. Remember that? Uh, where they had the kicker line up under center. Well, at least the Dolphins got it right where they, they actually had the guy in shotgun and the defense bit and he just flipped it. He flipped it to the other kicker, right? Is it the punter to the kicker or the kicker to the punter? I forget. Either way, that's an embarrassing play for the Eagles to let up. An embarrassing touchdown for the Eagles to let up. An embarrassing loss for the Eagles. When the Dallas Cowboys are giving them an opportunity to take the division. And the Eagles are like, we don't want it. And the only question is, does Washington want it? Believe it or not, Washington at 3-9 and nine is still alive to win the division. <laughs> Washington has won two straight. Who did they just beat? Carolina? Washington has won two straight. They're 3-9. and nine. Here's their schedule. I know this seems ridiculous, right? They're at Green Bay. So, you know, they'll probably lose that. Um, then they have Philly, the Giants, and Dallas. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, crazy things have happened, right? Washington, but it's just crazy to even think that we're sitting here going, Washington at 3-9 and nine is still alive to be able, they still have a chance to win their division. It's a long shot, but they still have a chance. And they play every team in their division in three of their last four games. And so that's just crazy. That's how bad the NFC East is and how much nobody wants to win that division, given the fact that Washington at 3-9 and nine is still alive. Crazy. And then number four, the AFC wild card, that's going to come down to week 17. Uh, you saw right now, Buffalo's the five seed at nine and three. Pittsburgh is the six seed at seven and five. On the outside looking in, Tennessee at seven and five, Oakland at six and six, Indy at six and six, and Cleveland at five and seven. Cleveland blew it. They blew it. They lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh goes with their third string quarterback in Hodges, and the Browns blew it. Simple as that. You know, all this talk about Cleveland, and they have an opportunity to get back to 500, and they blew it. They blew it. They blew it. And uh, then you got, because they blew it, and Pittsburgh is the sixth seed at 7-5, you're going to look at the Titans, the Tennessee Titans. Here come Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. They've won three straight. They're 7-5. Tennessee schedule moving forward. Here's the only problem with Tennessee. You know, the only problem with buying into the Titans right now is that their remaining schedule is very tough. They're in Oakland next week, and I'm not saying that's a tough one based on the way Oakland is playing because Oakland has looked horrible lately as well. But after that, you play Houston, then you play New Orleans, and then you play in Houston. So three of their next four, three of their last four, for Tennessee, three of their last four, are against Houston, two games against Houston, and one game against New Orleans. That is very tough. So, man, I think, you know, if you're Pittsburgh, you play Arizona, Buffalo, the Jets, and Baltimore. 
Can you win two of those games? Can you win two if you're Pittsburgh? Nine wins. I think nine will get them in. I think nine gets them in. If you're Pittsburgh, can you win two of your last four? Against Arizona, Buffalo, the Jets, and Baltimore. Can you? So if you're Pittsburgh, can you win in Arizona next week? Yeah, they could. Can you win against Buffalo? Maybe. Can you beat the Jets? You should be able to beat the Jets on Christmas weekend. Um, but, I mean, I get, you know, you, hey, I, I say it sounds easy for them now. They're going to lose three of the next four, and we're going to be talking about maybe Oakland, Indian, Cleveland still having a shot. So I'm just telling you that the AFC wild card, it's a shit show. It's going to come down to week 17. But that's what we got so far. And then not my number five takeaway, the NFC wild card is the opposite. You got the Rams on the outside looking in at 7-5. Chicago on the outside looking in at 6-6. Six and six. They're the only two teams that have a realistic opportunity, though opportunity is strong. I'll just say they're mathematically alive because the six seed is Minnesota. The five seed is Seattle. You know, the five seed's taken. If anything, there's just going to be one spot for, between, between either Minnesota, the Rams... The bit or the Bears, right? It's going to be a three or four team race for that one six seed, and and really, like if you're the Rams, you got Seattle, Dallas, San Fran, Arizona. Rams aren't getting in. It's just that the schedule's too tough. Chicago, they've won two straight, but they got Dallas, they got Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota. Schedule's too tough. They're not getting in. I think the way it looks right now. Maybe not in this exact order, but the six teams that you see in in the NFC, these are the six teams that you're going to see in, right? I don't think there's a shot for anyone else getting in. We're in the AFC. That six seed is, that that could be one of five teams getting that. NFC, It's I think it's set. I do. I think it's set. Um, I think it would have to be just a dramatic... It would have to be a, 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 like, the Rams would really have to turn it on and win out. They would. They'd have to win out. Chicago's not winning out. Could the Rams win out? Seattle, Dallas, San Fran, Arizona. I don't think they will, but that's more possible than Chicago winning out. But I don't, I just think the six teams you see in the NFC right now, those are the six teams that you're going to see in the playoffs of the NFC when it's all said and done. So that's week 13. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, I will make my picks for week 14 on Thursday's podcast. And um, like I told you, the Patriots at home against Kansas City, the Patriots open here as a three-point favorite at home against the Chiefs. So Patriots got issues for the next couple of days. You'll hear all about the Patriots issues and how the sky is falling and how they'll never be able to fix this and Brady's done and and you know they should bring back Antonio Brown or they 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 the Patriots front office Bill Belichick they dropped the ball on bringing in pieces to help Tom Brady and because of it Brady's pissed and he's going to want to play somewhere else and this is his last season and this is the beginning and the end you're going to hear it all but you know it's really going to have it's going to take that one game where it clicks between Brady and Dorsett or Brady and Harry or Brady and Sanu that one game where they get the no huddle early, where they get the first touchdown of the game, and they have that 80-yard drive, that surgical. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
And then you'll get the same people going, oh, well, maybe the Patriots are back. Like, we, we do this overreaction, live in the moment analysis. We, we, they give it all the time. And uh, we just got to let it play out. But they, they can beat Kansas City at home. There's no question about it. They could beat Kansas City at home, and this could be the game where the, where the Patriots offense, maybe uh, all the things they're trying to learn about themselves that, that Tom Brady says, you know, they're learning as they go along. Well, maybe this could be the game they put it together. Maybe this could be the game they put it together. So uh, I'll be back on Thursday to talk more about the upcoming week in week 14, and I'll react to anything crazy that happens uh, in this Monday night football game tonight between Seattle and Minnesota, though I will be back on the live stream tomorrow on Tuesday, every Tuesday at 10 a.m., DPS Live on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Some other news over the uh, long weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. I did pay attention to the Kyrie Irving stuff. Kyrie Irving did not show up last Wednesday night to the TD Garden. He did not travel with the Nets. He's been dealing with an injury. He was still booed at the Garden. The fans still chanted, Kyrie sucks all night long. And then the Celtics played the Nets in Brooklyn two days later on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Kyrie was there for that one in street clothes, and he was giving daps and hugs to his former teammates, and it all looked good, and everybody looked like they love him. And after the game, Marcus Smart said, and I agree with him, he said we should stop talking about Kyrie Irving. Stop. We don't want to. We don't want to keep being asked questions about Kyrie Irving. And I agree with him. I, I want to be done with him too. But then Kyrie Irving makes a crazy post on Instagram, and I don't want to read you the whole thing because, to be honest with you, it's just it's a perfect example of how exhausting this dude is. Kyrie Irving puts this long ass Instagram post up. I'll read you the, here's the deal. I'll read you the first sentence and the last sentence. You can go find it if you want and try to transcribe this out for yourself. I don't know. I mean, I don't even understand it, but I'll try to understand it. And I'll read you the first sentence and the last sentence. Here's the first sentence from Kyrie Irving, who obviously was at home hearing Celtics fans chant Kyrie sucks. And this is obviously in response to it. Kyrie on Instagram says, quote, It happens all the time, and tonight just shows how sports and entertainment will always be ignorant and obtrusive. It's one big show that means very, very little in the real world that most people live in because they are actually things that matter going on within it. Like figuring out a life that means more to you than a damn ball going into a hoop or learning how to grow up being in a fishbowl of a society based on your popularity level as a person, or even dealing with becoming the leader of your family after someone's passing and not knowing how to deal with life after it happens. That's the first sentence. The last sentence of it all says, quote, Don't fall for the game that's played in front of you as entertainment. It'll never be as serious dealing with life. End quote. And the word life is in a huge font. And it really highlights the whole thing. Life. And look, Kyrie Irving is trying to do one thing. He's trying to he's trying to come off as a sympathetic figure. Right? 
And I'm sorry. Like, he's just, I have no sympathy for Kyrie Irving. I don't. I don't. I wrote a column that's in the Metro today on Monday in print about how I agree with Marcus Smart. Like, I don't want to keep talking about Kyrie Irving. Like, I do think it's a slap in the face to this Celtics team. Like, let's move on. But Kyrie wants us to talk about him, right? Like, and that's why he makes this post. He wants people to have sympathy for him. Like, Kyrie made certain decisions, and it has more to do with basketball, and then and this, that, and the other thing, and there's more to life than just basketball. And it's like, well, dude, basketball got you paid. Basketball has made you over $100 million in your first nine seasons in the NBA. And after this contract, this huge contract with the Brooklyn Nets is up, I think the number he's going to have in his first, like, 13 NBA seasons is, like, $260 million. You want me to feel sympathy for you? Please, dude. Like, please. It is entertainment. And, you know, fans who pay money, who don't make anywhere near as close as you do, can say whatever they want in the arena. And you you have a problem with it. Just start talking about life. Yeah. Um, I deal with life, too. I deal with issues in life. But, you know, it would make my life a lot easier if I had, you know, if I made $35 million a year, like you do, to play a sport, by the way. So don't start telling us about life. The last thing that the normal, average human who has a normal, average job, the last thing we want to hear is someone who makes $35 million a year playing basketball to start telling us about life. Like, please, shut up. This guy is the worst. Another example of, of how exhausting he is. And another example of why I'm glad he's not here anymore. I'm glad I don't have to root for this guy because he is tough to root for. And this post on Instagram is another example, but that's the Kyrie Irving stuff we had over the weekend. And, and, and yeah, you know, again, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I do think that we should move on from it. I do, you know? Um, but hey, if he didn't post that, I think we would have moved on be over, but he, he made that post and now we got to react to it. Right. Uh, and then finally, I'll close it out with this. The Red Sox made a trade. I told you I was going to break it down, though. <laughs> that was that was kind of a tease for you to stick around. I'll be honest. Sandy Leone traded to the Cleveland Indians for a minor league pitcher. Sandy Leone traded to Cleveland for a minor league pitcher. What's he, 21 years old? I don't know. My reaction to it, you know, Sandy Leone was a guy that I think David Price and Chris Sale like to throw to more than they like to throw to Christian Vasquez. I think we saw that. And so how do they react to it? I don't know. Or is this a sign of things to come? Is this a sign that maybe the Red Sox are going to trade one of those two guys, Chris Sale or David Price? It's something to keep an eye out for. I don't want to overreact to this, but I will say that, you know, as much as I've always said the Red Sox need to make Christian Vasquez their number one, there have been many times over the last couple of years where David Price and Chris Sale have wanted or preferred to throw to Sandy Leone. 
And, um, you know, those guys have earned that right. I don't think everybody should have the right to be able to pick their own catcher. It's the guys that established themselves as dominant pitchers in this league who I think at times deserve that right uh, to pick that guy. And so, I don't know. Does this does this tell us anything about maybe a move that they could make here moving forward? Uh, we shall find out. But the Red Sox, that's the news. Sandy Leone traded to Cleveland for a minor league pitcher, whatever happens the rest of the week, if anything happens at all, I will react to it on this show here every Monday and Thursday. iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Also, check out my website, dannypicard.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dannypicard. Get the live stream coming tomorrow, unless we get hit with this snow that they keep telling us, telling us about. You know, if the rain stops and it does turn to snow and we get hit with a major storm overnight, maybe I won't be in here tomorrow morning. Um, but as of now, the live stream is still on, so make sure you tune into that. Follow me on Twitter, all forms of social media. Uh, stay dry, stay warm. I am out. Talk to you soon. <laughs>